This time on Chew Diligence from EJ's Urban Eatery, Chef John Cedric Smith. Well, I'm not trying to be pretentious or not trying to be something. I just want a place where people can come in and enjoy food. My mom is a very passionate, but she loves people. Like, she would feed you if you, no matter who you were, what you looked like, if you were hungry, she would, like, open the door and she would feed you. And it was more of, like, I started taking things, like, I started noticing that's me because of her. In Kansas City, we had the opportunity. You have opportunity to do it and do it your own way. Welcome to our latest episode of Chew Diligence. We are so excited to have John Cedric Smith, chef and owner of EJ's Urban Eatery with us. Welcome. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. And we love to start off the podcast talking about great dishes in Kansas City. So first the food. Jill, where have you been? Uh, I went to Thelma's Kitchen. Oh, yes. Have you been? Not yet, but I've heard such amazing things. What a concept. It's a great concept, a pay-what-you-can concept. Um, Just really good food and a great atmosphere, very community-oriented. So you go in, and there's a couple of different choices on the whiteboard. You pick three different things, and you pay either for a small or a large $7 $7 or $10 are the suggested amounts. Of course, you can pay more. Mm. Um, I got the small. It was a lot of food, <laughs> a lot of really good rib-sticking food. And if you don't have the money to pay for it, you can either, you know, somebody could have paid ahead for you, or you can work for like a half an hour or an hour Wow! as a server or cleanup person, and you get fed. And they've been around for just a little bit. Was it busy? Um, it was really busy the day that I was there. Yeah, I was meeting a friend there who worked down the street at Ruby Jeans, and so we met. And, uh, yeah, it's a great concept. I'm really psyched about it. It's on Troost? Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. What kind of food did they have? So, um, let's see. I had the vegan patty just to check it out. Um, not because I always eat vegan, but it was very good. And then uh, cabbage soup was one of the choices. There were two soups and then a salad. That's a lot of food. Yeah. For the small. I love that. That was the small. Yeah. And my friend had paid it forward for me. Oh, so I, I like paid that. it forward for others. So that was very cool. It's very cool that it's working. I love that. Yeah. Um, I finally made a trip to Antler Room. I've been wanting to go for years and convinced my husband that small plates would not leave him hungry. I said, <laughs> if we just go the two of us, it'll be romantic and fabulous. And it was. Um, Beautiful plates. Oh, my gosh. And the service, the attention to detail. And we had Icelandic lamb and carrot cavatelli pesto with candied walnuts. That was our favorite dish. We tried five. We had octopus, duck confit. It was fantastic. Yes. It's an excellent spot. And the menu's always changing. Um, So that's, you know, seasonal. So when I went, of course, I ate completely different things than what you ate while you were there. Half the fun of it, right? Oh. That it's so different. Absolutely. Every time. Okay. And it's where chefs hang out. I will add before we segue into our chef. I mean, yeah. if if I talk to chefs right now and I say, what's the hottest restaurant in Kansas City? Many, many times I'm hearing Antler Room. They've got to go check it out. They want to see what he's doing. What he's got next on the menu. Yeah, so it's kind of a chefy place to go. Speaking <laughs> of chefs, Chef Smith, where do you go when you're eating? Um, I pretty much eat at most of my friends' restaurants. Like I was just at uh, Hirocho's. Um, I went to the Boys Grow um, groundbreaking Santa Maroni. Um, for their new kitchen that they're building out there. Um, 
what, not like last two Wednesdays ago, and me and my friend Dollywood, um, we went, uh, Carlos, who's one of the shelves from Boys Grow Gather, like I was, we all went to Harojo's afterwards, and John Gordon, who runs Boys Grow, we all went there, had oysters, shrimp, just a plather of, you know, small plates, and sat there and congratulate Johnny for, you know, his historic and groundbreaking ceremony that he had and what he got going on out there at Boys Grow. Really incredible what they're doing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's I like, I always, it's one of the, the foundations and charity things that I, I really took a big strong and big you know loving to because um I'm like boys grow like I'm a kid from the streets of Chicago and I had to learn a lot of things and you know I could have done a lot of stupid things like these kids could have but uh, John has a program where he's taking kids that were like me when I was 14 or 15 and bringing them out into the country and showing them how to grow and showing them how to do things and showing them how to be entrepreneurs and teaching them life skills that they don't most people won't give them a chance on and so when I first heard about Boys Grow, I um, I jumped on board with it, you know, because it, it felt, you know, I want the boys to see what a final product of what they're doing could be. Hmm. And from someone who knows what it's like. Yeah. So you have cooked and lived all over the country and overseas. Talk about when you were 14, what got you started on your path to cooking? Uh, I actually started cooking late. Um, I started cooking when I was at Iowa and I hurt myself. I tore my ACL, MCL, and I had to do rehab. And I, you were playing football, right? Yeah. And um, what happened was, I, um, I, um, me and my roommate, you know, like most college kids, we went out and got drunk. We had no money, and um, but we had a kitchen, and I, we had some food in the kitchen. I was like, look, my mother made this dish. I can make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I really thought I could, you know, I did, and I made it. It was just like a little casserole with like ground beef, pasta, lasagna sheets. Uh, cheese and uh, cream of mushroom soup, and my <laughs> gourmet. Room- yeah, right, right, right. That's gourmet <laughs> on the budget. <laughs> and my roommate thought that was the best thing ever. So then he came up with this plan. Like, look, he'll pay for the food. I'll cook it. And, <laughs> that's a good plan. And and um, that's what we'll do for Sunday dinner. So it went from being me and him to me, him, and my two of my sweet mates who lived in the room across from us. To, to me, him, those two, and, like, five more people. And we're feeling like – and this started, mind you, in um, February. By the, the third week of March, I was cooking for – I quit going out because I had people bringing me stuff every Saturday. And I was cooking for people, you know, and Sunday, 20, 25 people come past my room and come in my door to get something to eat. So – and then my TA came one time. My teacher assistants came, and then – he brought a professor one time for one uh, for one of my classes, and he told me I'm more interested in this and I'm better at this than I was in his class because I, I wasn't interested in his class. What was his class? <laughs> Do you remember? Theater and society. <laughs> that sounds kind of cool. It that wasn't, wasn't you. Huh? It was a cool class. I, I, you know what? It was so funny. I like going to the theater. I hated writing the paper. Yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't be a good critic then. Yeah, yeah. I, I love like I would like going to the theater and watching and seeing it. But it, I learned a lot like about how lighting affects certain moods and how, you know, what like props and what do all these little things mean. And I was all excited about that. But then it was like, OK, you got to write a, pay, a four page paper about <laughs> everything you did. I would procrastinate that to like. It's like, I don't want to write about that. I said it was cool seeing. I don't really want to. You talk about it. I could, right. I could, yeah. If I had to sit up, sit up there in class and tell you about it, I would, I would have, you know, it was, <laughs> I, was, I passed the class, but it was just more of he did, and he, he just knew that it wasn't me. And he said um, he knew someone that was in Chicago 
who was start who's uh, working at a culinary school, and this is back when you had to cook to get in culinary school. Mm. And uh, I went and I cooked, and it worked well. well and I went to uh, the Cooking Hot Side Institute of Chicago. I don't know if it's still there now, but um, I think it got changed to La Corner on Blue or whatever. I don't know. And um, and then that's when it started. It was just like okay, you know, and and then I just started meeting. Um, my mom is a very passionate, but she loves people. Like she would feed you if you, no matter who you were, what you look like, if you were hungry, she would like open the door and she would feed you. And it was more of like I started taking things like I started noticing that's me hmm. because of her. And um, so I started meeting interesting people that, you know, all life performs and start taking things in and learning life lessons from people that were older than me because I was always a kid for a while. And all the people that worked in the kitchen were older. So, I, you know, it was just, it was just fun. Like, you know, like my 21st birthday and I was, you know, the guys finally knew I can go out with them, and they just, you know, took me out and everything. And then, and then I just started um, taking advice from guys who who I worked for. I worked for David Burke at Park Andrew Cafe, and I, you know, he came in from New York, and he was like, "What are you doing? You know, you're doing you well, you're good. What do you? Why are you only work here three days a week?" And I said, "Well, I go to school in the morning." And it was more of a, he's like, "Well, you should be here full time. Why are you paying people for things that I'm teaching you and paying you for?" Mm. Interesting. And while, you're, while you're going to culinary school. Yeah, yeah. He's like, why are you going to culinary school? He said, I'm teaching, I'm paying you the same things you're learning for someone else to pay, you're paying them for. I think that's such an interesting thing because, you know, it, it, some people really believe in culinary school mm. and other people really believe in, yeah, you can just train in a kitchen and learn that way. I mean, where do you fall on that? Because you've done both. Um, it's, it's, uh, culinary school is good. It's a good starting point. Um I guess because I was working and going, I kind of went, I was like ahead of everybody. I was ahead of everybody in my class. Like, you know, we had a class where you had to cook for the restaurant. And it was like eight dishes. By, and it's, you know, by the end of the week, I was cooking all eight dishes on my station. And, it, and other 15 <laughs> students were watching me cook. So it was more of like, you know, um, yes, you, you, yes, culinary school is good. It's good for people who, who have no idea what they're doing coming in, showing you knife skills, showing you how to make sauces, getting the educational stuff, like, you know, learning what, you know, what recipes, how to follow recipes, how to do certain things. But um, the stuff that you learn really on the job, that helped, that helped me more. Now, everybody's their own person. So that helped me more, like, you know, you know, working under pressure, you know, because you, you know. Like a real kitchen. Yeah, where, you know, mm-hmm. okay, now, I, you know, where you're working on one thing at school, I will leave school and I go to work and I'll be like, I'll have, instead of me working one risotto, I'll have eight risottos, three more of the dishes, two pastas and, and, and four quails I have to put up in 15 minutes. They don't teach you that in school. And what happens if you got something wrong? Oh, you, you got, that's back when you could yell at people and throw pans and stuff and plates at you. So, so this is like the late, the mid to late nineties. It's like, you know, that's back when it was like, okay, you know, it wasn't like, you know, you had someone in the kitchen looking and taking pictures of you. It was like, you know, it, it was it was it was like they let you have it, and you know. So, so social media makes chefs behave better. Is that what we're? <laughs> a lot of things make chefs behave better, but it was it was at that time. And then you know, so I started working full time, and you know, I got the my associate degree from school, and I and then I I was like, you know, I'm gonna work full time. I could have went back and got a bachelor's, but. At that point in time, I was like, I just want to learn. And then I was like, he kept talking about France and how he was in France and how he went to France. So I was like, and then I started doing research on other chefs that I liked, like Patrick Clark, uh, Trotter, Charlie Trotter, um, 
John Bonchet from La France, which is one of the iconic restaurants in Chicago. Um, you know, um, it was just more like Bocuse and, you know, Bouchon. I started reading up on all these guys and getting their books and, you know, I started realizing, like, you know, maybe I need to take the trip overseas and, and, and see what these guys have been doing because everyone said, you know, that's going to take you to the next level. And uh, so I worked three jobs, you know, worked at a hotel in the morning, worked at Park Avenue at night, and then actually did a, uh, was like a bouncer slash busboy bar back for a, a bar and saved up money for two and a half years and um, hmm. went, to, and got, went to France. And was it everything that you hoped for? I know France is, is sort of the holy grail for most right. chefs, but I think that's starting to change a little bit because I think there are more chefs here. Mm-hmm. That now you can apprentice with or work with or stage with or whatever. But it seemed like in the area you're talking about, everybody had to go to France. Well, yeah. In the 90s, it was. It was like you had to. Um, I'm going to speak on that, too, because I think that's <laughs> cool. Um, it, in the 90s, yeah, it was like, okay, you go to France. Because that's what everyone talked about. And that's what everything was. It was a Nouvelle French cuisine and all this stuff. And um, so it was more for me. It was like, yeah, it was a, like... It was a learning experience. Like I had, I had like a, I followed a Michigan guy, and I circled five, fifteen restaurants, and and then I it shrunk down once I got over there and found me a little efficient, which is like a studio apartment, and that shrunk down to probably five. So every day I would knock on these five doors, mm. and then um, when I went to Talavant, uh, Philippe Legendary, he's a chef. He just got tired one day and he had to carry some stuff in. And he was like, you carry this in, I'll let you work today. <laughs> and so I carried this. Right place at the right yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I was there at the time because <laughs> he looked at it. So I went in and I, I carried some stuff in for him. And then he put me downstairs. And um, and they just gave me, like, the craziest jobs to do, like the jobs that, you, that no one else wanted to do. Like peeling potatoes or what? Well, tornado and potatoes, tornado yeah. and carrots. Um Singeing the hair off the pig. What? Yeah, cool. you know, like with the blowtorch. <laughs> you know, like like you know, like we get a whole, we get a couple of whole pigs and it's hanging and I'm in there and I'm singeing the hair with the blowtorch. Um, and are you still doing this with like the vigor and enthusiasm? Oh, I, I, I thought I was, I was like I was like in my head I'm like it's for a bigger thing. Just think about it. It's some bigger, some bigger. You're gonna get upstairs eventually and start working the line. Um, you know, holding the chicken so we can get the blood. All this stuff because we got everything like. You got everything fresh there. Like, it was crazy. Um, like, rabbits. We'll get rabbits with the fur on, and then, like, you know, the butcher would hand them to me, and he'll do one cinch, and I have to skin the rabbits and all that type of stuff. So it was like, I was just, I was just for the first three weeks, I was just a guy that did all the crappy jobs, and then they finally let me move up to be a commis, which is an assistant um, to the, the station chef, which is chef de party. This is back when they had the old French lines where you had a chef de party, two commis, which are training chefs underneath, and... So I was a commie for the Garmer J That guy. is old school. Yeah, it was old yeah. school. Like, and it was like I was a commie for the Garmer J guy, and then, then, I, then I was able to move around, and then they started moving around because I worked. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't talk that much. Did you know was, French? I mean, did you? When I went to? over there, I knew four lang- four words in French, and I always had this book. We oui. yeah. <laughs> merci beaucoup. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had this book, and I would read when I try to talk to people, and you know, by but but I tried, and then what the thing was by like month three. I was very, very. I was good. I was good enough to get myself around. I started even wow. when, I, even when I didn't, even when words I didn't even say right. The people would laugh a little bit. Like I cussed my chef out one time. <laughs> on accident in French. Right? On accident in French. 
<laughs> and the guys, and like, that was the scariest time because Fleet Legendary is like 5'4". I'm like 220, 5'10". I can probably knock him out. And like I said something and the whole kitchen just stopped and looked and got quiet. <laughs> And you're like, Oops. and you didn't know what you said. I didn't know what I said. And the guy who's the who was right by me, the other called me. He's like, and he told me he was just he whispered to me. He's like, no, that's not. He told me it wasn't good. What did you mean to say? Do you remember? I meant to say like uh, coming right up or something. And I I, <laughs> mi- I misplaced a couple words because I was my American accent. And um, I'm yeah. picturing what you could have said. Yeah, he, it, it, just to look at this guy and walking him come and like he didn't like beehive to me. It was a slow pace. It took like it took an hour for him to come to me, and I knew like this. Slow yeah, pace. and I Way knew. Worse. I was sitting there saying, I'm thinking to myself. I said, Well, I better get my bags packed because I think I'm be on the next plane out of here. And then um, he just told me. He kind of whispered to me and just told me, Don't, don't I ever tell him that again? And I was just like, All right. And then after after service. So the sous chefs were cleaning and stuff, and the sous chefs put me in the office, and I'm like, I'm like, what did I do? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And they, then they start laughing. <laughs> well, then they laugh, right? They when laugh. He's gone. He's gone. They laugh, and they're like, oh, we thought he was gonna kill you. <laughs> we thought he's like, <laughs> we like, we we're like, it was so funny. And then they told me, I told, I pretty much told him. <laughs> <laughs> Bleep. I, I told him f off. Yeah. In a subtle way. Yeah. That you know, in a subtle way, in a subtle way I like pretty much, <laughs> and like how the how the phrase meant. That's what the phrase meant. But I said it, and yeah, and they were just like, "Oh my god!" Sometimes it's intonation and accent, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like, just get you in a lot of yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah. So and then, but yeah, I, I was um, <laughs> I was making the, <laughs> I was making um, pompeii with the potatoes. So when you get an order because everything was tasting like you know, like I, we made mashed potatoes to order. Hmm. So it was like I had my pot, I had my potatoes, I was ricing them through with the butter, and he he's like, I mean, he was like, how long do you think there was some? He would ask, they were asking how long before I come up with the other dishes, and I said, uh, and I, I told the, the fish guy, and I was like, I'm I'm like two minutes out, and I guess he didn't like me talking to the fish guy, telling him two minutes, and he said something, and I said, and he was he wanted my attention, wanted me to respond, and I responded. <laughs> but I didn't respond because I'm thinking about getting my potatoes through and the butter through. I didn't, I didn't, you know, comprehend what I did. So you didn't mean to be mean. No. It just happened. No, it just that's happened. That's so funny. I mean, you're already focused on cooking anyway, and that's yeah. intense. Yeah. And then there's another language that you kind of have a hold of yeah. flying around your head. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God. So, But but I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot there. It was it was fun. Um, it was um, insightful. And then it made me really like, realize, like, you know, this is what I wanted to do. Hmm. Uh, your, did your mom teach you to cook when you were growing up? Because this is probably, I'm going to guess, kind of foreign to her. Like, does she get the whole, you went to France and you went through this experience and d- does she cook that way? I, I would assume. No. You know, one of the things I learned, uh, <laughs> one of the things I learned from being over there was um, French cooking is very similar to like cooking of like the soft, like soul food cooking almost. Hmm. Like they use really? everything. Okay. So it was like, you know, like, you know, we did a pig in a bladder, you know, you know, we, they use, uh, we call them chitlins in the South. They use it, they use it in other ways. So all the things, they, the whole compromise of using everything you have and turning something that's not probably the greatest into to something and the, some of the techniques and skills were all in line. And I watched my mom do. No, my mom did never teach me how to cook. 
I was the only boy out of four girls, and I was always the one that told to go outside and break your leg or, you know, go do something. So that's when <laughs> right. I started playing football. The girls who uh, she was showing the stuff to, none of them cook now. Isn't that funny? So it was just interesting. So when you when you all get together, you're the one who's cooking up mm. the food? No? No, no my mom's still do all the Mom's cooking. gonna do it still. Mom, okay. We can't be in the kitchen too long together. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's gotta be in charge. Yeah, yeah. It, it's because I'll look and be like, like I had her come down here. Uh, she came down to the EJs when, hmm. uh, like last winter. Well, like last, like, like last early spring, and she came down and she was making some, and I was like, okay, how much is that is? How much? She's like a spoonful. I'm like, what's a spoonful? What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm sitting there trying to take recipes so I can, I want to mimic the recipe right. and do the product she's doing. But she was doing like just grabbing spoons and stuff and it comes out perfect. And I'm like, I can't do that. Right. <laughs> you need specific I know. I, know. I, was like, I, I was like, I can't. I said, I might can make something similar, but it's not going to be the same. And I was like, how do you do that? And you brought at least influences that up to EJ's, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. A lot of the influence in EJ's is Southern. My mom, my aunt, my grandmother, um, a lot of stuff from the South, from uh, like family stuff and things that I saw, or like eating at other people's houses that I liked, and you know, and that's and that's a lot of the premise of EJ's, you know. It's also known as a, a meet and three. So mm-hmm. talk about that because you're the really, I think, the first person. To do this in Kansas City, yeah, and it's a very interesting concept. And you told me you did a little traveling, and well, yeah, the first time I came across the meeting three, I was in Nashville with a friend of mine it's named Josh Hardbert, and we worked at Craft together in New York City, nice at, with Tom Colicchio, and um, he was he he runs uh, he was running the Catbird Seat and this place called he has a new place out now called Bastion, and um, yeah, so he was like, let's go to this meeting three, and I was like, what? So we go in and we're in line and we, me, him, and my wife, and we're in line and we're eating and, you know, we're going through the line. Like it's an old cafeteria style line. You pick your stuff out as you want to eat. You get a choice between meat one, meat two, meat three. You can pick a pie. You can pick a piece of cake, pick a small salad. And then at the end, you finish with like sweet tea, iced tea, Coke. Everything is Coke down soft, by the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything. And then you pick what kind of, I tell them what kind of Coke you want. That's what it is. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you grab what kind of Coke you want and you, and you go sit down and eat. And the thing that made me um, intrigued by it was that all the people that came through, you know, you saw like your bankers, you saw your construction guys, you saw your, you know, your uh, CEOs, you saw you saw the Secret Service guy and the governor, you saw some Nashville Predators, you saw some Nashville hmm. Tennessee Titan guys in line. All these guys in line, no one got special treatment, no one was picked above the other guy. They all were treated the same and they all came in and ate and smiled and enjoyed each other's company and then they left. And that kind of made me think, like, I want a place like that. I want a place where... Well, I'm not trying to be pretentious or not trying to be something. I just want a place where people can come in and enjoy and food. And I always tell people food bring people together. And that's one of the things that that's when that started to me. And that's when that, you know, kind of came in my head of thinking that like food does bring people together. They brought all these people together, come here and everyone enjoyed each other. And, and you know, in the, in the four walls of Arnold's, everyone had a good time. Now, what happens outside the four walls, they can control. But in the four walls, they they all were, you know enjoying each other's company and being sociable and being, you know, gracious and having empathy for each other. That's kind of what good barbecue restaurants sure. do. Mm-hmm. Um, like just, cooking is your love language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It, it's, 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 it was an interesting experience. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go to another one. I went to 
bishops. And then I went, then I just started checking out all of them out. And then I realized Kansas City don't have one. We have elements of it. The barbecue places have certain elements of a food meet and three. Right. Where you go through the line, you cafeteria style, you get to pick some sides, you pick your meat. But I wanted to take it to, a, I wanted to, to do a level like, you know, from the cooking I knew how to do, like, you know, using fresh ingredients and, you know, doing everything from scratch and, you know, you know, and trying to come up with something that's very different than what my um, what my contemporaries are doing. And putting very fresh ingredients. I think that's kind of the key, yeah. the local and fresh ingredients. Because yes. so many barbecue restaurants and other places like that, you know, that that's... They're not mixing that farm-to-table no. ethos that's no. really, um, I think, really important. Describe for us what it's like. I've been there, but, uh, Lindsay, have you eaten there, too? Not yet. Okay, so describe, because I think people come in and you order at the counter. need a little explanation on how <laughs> this works. Because it's not, you really don't have a cafeteria line like no. you're describing. No, that's the old school. I, yeah. well, we try to do it with a little twist. Like, we, I taught, when we first started, I was thinking about cafeteria line. And then when we got the space we had, it just was nowhere to put it. Yeah. So what we did, we get we walk in, you look at the chalkboard, you order, you can pick um, one of our, our signature. Th- we have a couple of signatures. We have our espresso rub, smoked brisket. Mm. Yeah, with, I've um, had that. With the white mm. barbecue sauce. Alabama and, style. Yeah, Alabama white barbecue <laughs> sauce. And then um, and then you pick, uh, you can pick one side, you can pick two sides, you can pick three sides. Like people pick um, our local greens, which would braise collards and turnips. Collards, I had those. Um, squash casserole, which is now like a favorite, like a cult favorite that if I ever took off, I think someone would probably come after me. Um, baked mac and cheese. And then they then they get their order, they get their ticket, their little stand with the number, and they go sit down. And then um, the guys in the kitchen, they make it, putting it up. And a server come bring it to you. So it's a nice combination of serve yourself and and seated yeah. service. Well, and I feel I've had your Alabama barbecue sauce uh, because you've cooked at some of the charity functions we've yes. been at. You won, right? I won two of the ones we wear. Yeah, the yes. Kitchen Courage ones. And yeah, so yeah, and that's um, I try to do things like I try to like a Kansas City is an amazing barbecue town and it's amazing food in Kansas City. But I always said. Um, I, you have to do something that make you stand out. Like I'm never going to compete with Gates. I'm never going to compete with o- Oklahoma. I mean, Joe's Kansas City. Right, right. I'm not. I know. I know. Old time. Old time. But yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm never going to compete with all those. You know, there's a lot of heavyweights here. So why try to compete with them when I could do something very similar, but just twist it just a little bit. Well, and so often I feel like in barbecue, the meat is the star, right? Yeah. And and your meat is definitely a focus, but yeah. also your sides That's a big stand thing. Yeah. on their yeah. own, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'm a, a big people, side yeah. girl, yeah. always yeah. have been. When I go to barbecue restaurants, sometimes I have to think about not talking just about the sides yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right? and go back to the meat because that's so yeah. important. Yeah, the sides were a big thing for us. And that's, and, you know, keeping like we have fresh sauteed green beans with garlic and a little white wine. And hmm. we do dirty rice and we do... You know, we um, yeah, we we just try to do the best we can. Roasted sweet potatoes with brown sugar, molasses glaze, and oh. stuff like you know. So it's just, and then it's very we, comforting. Yeah, it's very yes. comfort. It's, it's, it's comfort yeah. food. And then we we also have some great desserts that, you know, most of them have their coat falling, like the white chocolate bread pudding with the bourbon toffee sauce. And then we have a buttermilk pie. That a lot of people. I know, haven't had that yet. I need yeah. to come in. And the other thing I haven't tried that I'm dying when I see on Instagram is your Nashville hot chicken. Yes. Oh. Is there a that. certain day you do that? Because I can't miss that. <laughs> I got to get in. We do that every Sunday. 
every Sunday. Yeah. Okay. We were doing it when we first opened. I was doing it on Thursday. The people kept telling me they like, why don't you do it on the weekend when I can come down here and get it? See, I had Thursdays in my head, <laughs> yeah, so it's it was good Thursday. that I asked. <laughs> but we do that every every Sunday. We do uh, Nashville hot chicken, and we also do a mild chicken too. Uh, and and people come in, and they they a lot of people get to take home. A lot of people go um, come in and have it there. And we've been doing it since we opened um, that. How hot's the hot? It's hot. Like I, I, I <laughs> Nashville oh, hot. Yeah. Well, I went to Hattie B's and did some research. <laughs> okay. So me and my wife and her, our cousin and uh, his wife, <clears throat> we went out and we um, went to Hattie B's and we got the. So they have certain levels and they had like hot, 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 <laughs> and then they had what the cluck. Ah, love it. So I had the hot. Had one piece of hot hot, one piece of hot hot hot, and then we, me and me and my cousin, we shared a, a a chicken tender of the what the cluck, and like it was like so red, like it was like purplish, <laughs> and like I'm talking about the eating it and like you know like just the sweating of it, like trying to eat that. One you were chicken. actually sweating. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So what's what's the pepper in a. Nashville hot sauce. I mean, does it vary? Like, is it habaneros? Is it ghost peppers? Is well, it... it's more of um, Nashville. The hot chicken started in Nashville from, um, I guess it was started in Prince. I believe Prince's was the first to do it. And um, it's just more of a, a cayenne, like, hot sauce that you make. Oh, okay. And a lot of places, uh, when they first started, they made it from the oil. From that they fried the chicken. Oil and paprika mm. together? So they put oil, paprika, some people put a little brown sugar, Ooh. some um cay- a lot of cayenne. It's okay. heavy on cayenne. Like it's like Yeah. I know it's it's you know, most places do like for a cup of the the mixed rub, it's like two cups of cayenne. <laughs> and it's oh my like goodness. and then you got some that go higher. So then like I know what the cluck was like four cups to the a regular rub. It was like four cups. It was like that's why it was so dark. And wow. any like butter or any kind of no. It, well, no. it's the oil. It's the, the oil, oil they use. They, they so they take the oil, the oil from the from the cook the chicken, and they use that as a up as the as the liquid part. And you add this, but nothing season. creamy. Nothing creamy, and they and they toss it. Pretty much, it's like hot wings on a whole bird. Mm. Yeah, ooh, that sounds delightful. It sounds well. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little scared, but <laughs> you got to have something. But with I, it, right? I'm willing to try. Yeah. I, I'm working myself up. You know, so, like. Yeah. Where does yours fall? Is it what the cluck or is it hot hot? Uh, mine's is more of uh, it's more between it's it, it's it's a little bit between hot 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 and hot hot. Oh, I can't do like I think people like if I had a couple people come in want like something like what the cluck <laughs> and I make it. Yeah, but I make that sauce on the side for them. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like looking at it and then I will taste it. And I'm like oh, I was like this person's gonna be in pain, but they love it. Really, they love it. That like, people a lot of people like the heat like that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I can handle it. I have a good friend like that. If he's not sweating by the end of a meal, it's probably not hot enough. Yeah. I, I wish I could handle it, but it is like biology. No. You can either yeah. handle it or you can't, right? No. Yeah, that's no. true. Yeah, my wife can handle. She can't handle that stuff. And like, and me, I'm like, okay, I have. I've always, I always have different type of hot sauces at home. I put them stuff, and she just like looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I think um, I had a conversation with Patrick Ryan about heat one time and i think you need to get him down there because he says that like now food without tons of hot sauce for him and you know peppers doesn't doesn't make any sense but like for the for mortals you know i think for mortals (laughs) we're like what that's too much you know things that even shouldn't be hot 
some people who who have built their tolerance up yeah. like it yeah. hot. And like my family is pretty evenly split uh, who can handle it and who can't. And the ones who can handle it kind of describe it. It tastes sweet to them. And to me, I just feel pain. <laughs> but, but their tongue like senses the heat differently than mine does, truly. Yeah, I think I think that's true. My husband's not big into spice either and um nor are my kids. I'm kind of like getting but you can teach yourself, I guess, mm-hmm. is my point to the last story. Is it's funny to build up my tolerance. You, I think you can. Um and I'm starting like I have a habanero sauce in my I think it's so well balanced. And that's the other thing, balance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gotta be balanced. It's gotta be mm-hmm. balanced. So I, I thought, oh, this is too hot and I tasted it and I love this sauce, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, every other habanero sauce I've ever had's been like too much. Fire. This one's great. So either I am working up or <laughs> I you know Or you found a good one. Or I found one that's just so balanced that it you know, anybody could eat it. Well you also have the with the, doing the chicken, you also have the flavorful chicken. And yeah. that's, that's a key. That's one of the things that, that's important for when we do our hot chicken. Is It's not just, okay, I'm giving you something that's just all heat and just for show. Right. We make sure our chicken's juicy, it's not dry, and it has flavor because we brine it overnight. And we it's a whole process. It takes three days for us to get to Sunday. Wow. So we start our process Friday and like having it in brine, and then we take it out, then we air dry it so the skin can be nice and dry. Yeah. And then, you know, we have our flour mixtures already made up. And it's just, it's a process. You want to have, you know, it's, 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 you know, as fun as it is having something really hot, if the meat's not good and juicy and tastes flavorful, then you, you lose the whole purpose of it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you guys have been open in the West Bottoms for over a year now, past yeah. the year mark. Yeah, we're past the year mark. You know, it's 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 a it's a journey, man. It's a journey, and uh, we just try to you know get better every day and um, put out the best product we can. And um, and you know we see a lot going on in the bottoms. Like mm. the bottoms has a big future, um, we believe. Um, like you know we have apartments coming in at, at the Oapanaki building, um, two hundred eighty three or two hundred eighty four apartments coming in, and like. Watching them, watching the process of that happening, like, you know, I see the trucks coming in every day and you don't see it from the street level. But you, if you go to the back of it, you see the dump trucks and you see the guys, the construction guys are working and the stuff is happening. And it's happening like in plain sight that people don't even know is happening. Are people finding you? I mean, you you took a, a risk mm-hmm. going down mm-hmm. um, where you are in the bottoms because you're a little bit hidden. Even if people know where the bottoms are, you're a little bit. Away from the haunted houses and right. and the uh, antiquing, you know, yeah. on that main drag that everybody knows yeah. on 12th Street. Um, so are, are they having trouble finding you or um, are they seeking you out? Um, people are seeking us out. Um, people, um, we did when we first started, had a, lot, a little trouble finding us. Um, one thing we had with a lot of people who are familiar with the area, we tell them we took over the old Jerry Woodworth's Cafe. Yeah. And um, that's what people are like, oh, I remember that place. Uh. And then when we tell people that and we say we're right at the bottom of Ninth Street Bridge. And that's been a big thing, big, big help for us, too. And having our mural that we had uh, a local graffiti artist, Jesse Hernandez, do that, you know, they have the history of the bottoms on it. That's huge. The people that they drive past, they see, oh, that's EJ's right there. Um, but, yeah, we... Um, we we you know we, we we just try to get our name out there, try to get our brand out there, try to get um, let people know who we are, um, where we are, also where we are, um, and then um, you know now with the we we have a couple of road bumps with the Beersley Road being closed, mm. you know that's a big road bump and a couple other uh, access points to our restaurants being closed, but people still are finding us and reaching out to us. 
Have what? you noticed in the last year the crowd really start to pick up in the neighborhood? Yet, or is that still coming? You That's think? still coming. We're still working on that. Like, you know, I talk to a lot. We talk to a lot of working guys and try to, you know, figure out what, 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 what moves them. What, what, well, you know, because, you know, they're in a heartbeat of the neighborhood. Um, we do get a lot of people from the shops. Mm. A lot of shops send people our way, and that's been great, and we appreciate them. So we love their support just like we try to support them. Um, and we just try to be a, a pillar in the community in, in the bottoms, let people know that we, you know, the bottoms is changing. Like, you know, it's become, it's like I tell people all the time, I grew up in Chicago and like the West Loop before, if you see the West Loop now, the West Loop wasn't like that. You know, when I first started and I was hanging out and I was, you know, working at Blackbird, it wasn't like that. Like I can come outside, I see the, you know, the drug dealers, the prostitutes, all that stuff. And then, you know, some woman named Oprah decided to open up a studios, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like five blocks from where the restaurant was. And next day, you know, in six months, it became like totally cleaned up and everything was nice. And now you go to the West Loop and it's like, you got like million dollar condos and lofts and all these restaurants. And, and I'm not talking about like, like, you know, little restaurants, like Stephanie from the one on top show, that's our good friend of mine. She opened Girls and Goat and the Little Goat and all that stuff. You had Grandmother Pose with a restaurant there. You have so many restaurants and like apartments and all this stuff happening there. And it's also like, you know, you know, for me, also looking at like New York and the Meatpacking District, you know, I remember going through the Meatpacking District. We cooks used to hang out there, you know, and, you know, it was just fun time hanging out. Now you got like Bucatan, you have all these restaurants that came through there. And now it's like it changes the neighborhood. And a lot of, and you know, if you look back in the history of a lot of these, you know, neighborhoods, like the most iconic one was Union Square in New York. Yeah. When Union Square Cafe opened, Union Square was nothing. Hmm. It's so interesting what happens, though, and I don't know how you feel about that, but you develop these neighborhoods, and then sometimes I've read stories about, particularly in New York, pricing themselves out of mm-hmm. their own neighborhood. Do you worry about that at all with the West Bottoms, or are we so far off that you're not <laughs> not really <laughs> thinking about I that? Think, I think we're in a good spot yeah. um, where how, how me and my partner Eric set up our uh, lease and how we're, we, I think we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I think we're fine if it, unless, you know, unless, let's say the Royals or the Chiefs decide to throw Arrowhead or something down there. That's the only thing, you know, <laughs> that's the only thing, you know, that's, that's, but, yeah. you know, but um, I think we're in a good spot. I think we're, we'll be fine with the, you know, with everything going on. It just takes time and, you know, having a vision and, and, you know, you know, and putting in the work and putting in, doing a good job and staying on, you know, and give people a place to go when they do move down there. And that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Eric is yeah. the E of EJ's, yes. right? Yes. yes. He's so, you've worked all over the country. We were talking about what brought you to Kansas City? Um, I came down here to open up 801 Chop House in uh, the Power and Light. Yeah. In 2008, me and uh, Sherry Osborne and, and Christopher Dennis, uh, we, um, we, we, uh, this is when I moved to, <laughs> I moved from New York to Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines. And you worked at a seafood, seafood restaurant. I worked there. at a seafood restaurant. Then I worked at 801 Chop House with Sherry. We became really good friends. And then, we had the chance to open up a, a restaurant down here, and she was coming, and she's like, "You're coming with me." Hmm. It was more of, and we, we decided to come together, and we we were like, "Okay, we're gonna do it." And then, you know, because I was at a point where I was like, "Okay, what should I do? Can I? Can I, I can always go back to New York." And I, I didn't really want to go back to Chicago. I said, "Maybe I can go to West Coast." I don't know. And then um, I came down here and visit, and then I saw the construction, and then I started. I started liking it. It was more, I was like, okay, this is, I can, you know, I can hang out down here. I was, I was thinking, I was going to get myself two years. I, said, I can hang out down here for a couple <laughs> years and, and this and that. And then um, 
that was 2008. I've been down mm-hmm. here now over 10. Uh, got married, bought a house. Uh, it's home. We like to do that to people. I know. Yeah, just come home. for a visit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's home. Forever. And then I just yeah. met really, I met people, you know, the restaurant community here was very big, like, you know, um, um, new, new, like close, like some of my close, close friends knew Patrick and Patrick. So we all knew each other. So it was like, that was cool. And I saw him and then, you know, meeting Howard mm-hmm. from the Rieger. He was a big person that, you know, you know, you know, we just kind of talked and we realized we, you know, we had a lot in common and we liked each other and, you know, he was the best man at my wedding. And we, that, like wow. those friendships and those bonds of seeing what they're doing, seeing what those guys were doing at the time when they first started saying, and they had a voice, they're saying, hey, we can, yeah, we all can go back to New York, we all can go to these big cities, and but we'll be working for the guys who never leave, like Calicchio and Daniel Boulay and John George. Those guys ain't leaving New York. Yeah, You're either going to yeah. work for them or you're <laughs> going to find yourself in a small spot that's trying to do something. But we, in Kansas City, we had the opportunity, you have opportunity to do it and do it your own way and, and, and create and grow your own little um, restaurant group or empire or brand or whatever you want to call it. And that watching them going, going through that process, you know, made me want to stay and do it. And really in 2008, we've talked how many times about how in the last 10 years or so, I mean, that's when everything seemed to just catch mm-hmm. fire, right? Uh, everything changed. Yeah. Like it was like I came down and I remember hanging and I remember hanging at the Rieger and just talking to Howard about stuff and, you know, and. And it's just like, you know, now I look at him and, like, I always talk to him about everything, like, because, you know, he's been doing it for so long on his own place and stuff. And I, I always ask him questions about things. And then you just see everyone comes along. Like, you know, it's it's like we all came together. Like, you, got, mm. you know, Michael Corvino, he's an amazing, 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 amazing chef. Good friend. Carlos from Hirochos, love that dude. That's my <laughs> brother right there. Love that dude. Like, isn't all of I feel like we all came up and we're all coming together as one and, we're all putting a stamp, you know, on Kansas City as a great food town and bringing our own different elements and our own different styles and our own different, um, you know, vision on it. I think it's really cool. The chefs do hang out together. Oh. Share share where you guys hang out besides <laughs> your own restaurants. Where do you guys go? Because I know you all are getting together. And this is um, actually how I – the first time I interviewed you, you probably don't remember this – I, I didn't know much about you, and I said, so do you know, like, who do you hang out with? And you told me all the chefs you hung out with, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> this guy's a serious contender if he's, you know, if he's <laughs> hanging out with all these people. Serious crew, right? Yeah, serious crew, and, and you're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's my friend, and oh, yeah. I You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So where do you hang out when you hang out with your crew? <laughs> my crew? <laughs> uh, well, usually we, we just... It's usually at someone's restaurant. Like, you know, for the longest time, it was the Riga was the hanging, was our hanging spot for the oh, longest yeah. time. Like, we like we would always sit there because it was just, you know. Is this late night stuff or is this like. Late night. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like always hanging out at the Riga. That was always one of the, the things, or, you know, or just hanging out. Like, I've, like, not too long ago, I was hanging out with Ryan at Novel and, you know, <laughs> we're just hanging out with him. And it, it's funny. You said, you know, I, I guess if you, when, when we first met, I was just more of. I guess I'm not the flashiest. I just try to. I don't. I, I don't. I don't try to do things that make put too much attention on me. I just try to. You know. I don't know. I just try to be a good dude. And, you know. And well, be, I think you were out. You were out south at the time. Mm-hmm. 
And and so, like, I just didn't know how connected you were. And so I was trying to tell you who some of the other people that I was also working with on the Thanksgiving project. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Um, do you remember? I don't even remember. Yeah, Ryan was, it was me. Yeah. Ryan Brazil. It was, uh, who else? I remember, because I did a salad. And That's right, that. you did. And then it was Josh, and then we, we yeah. yeah, it was all, yeah. yeah. So all these chefs were coming through the studio, being, being, and I'm trying to introduce the people who don't know each other, and I find out, I'm thinking I'm going to introduce him <laughs> to everybody, but he already knows everybody. I'm like, well, then why didn't I know you? Right. <laughs> but now I do. It You know, I just try to be one of the guys that just try to do, um, put, put out really good food and just not, you know, and not, you know, just do me. Be a good dude. Yeah, be a good dude. (laughs) So is that unique to Kansas City? Because we've heard that from so many of them. They're all good friends, which is so lovely to hear. Is that something that is different about this place, or is that pretty universal? Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, I know in my time when I was like a young cook and coming up, was all all us hung together. Mm Mm-hmm. Like in Chicago, we used to like every Wednesday night you could catch five different staff of a restaurant at diverse, diversity rock and bowl bowling and drinking beer <laughs> to about three in the morning, and it's just like we all hung together at craft. We hung with the people at Gramercy Tavern and all these other people. You know, it's just you know kitchens. We had that camaraderie. Like we were hanging. You understand each other. Yeah, we understood each other. Like we like, like how was your night? Oh, my night sucked. And then we just then you, you just see you see them go off. And it was funny because most of the time it was just cooks. It wasn't like the sous chef or the chef or the owner. It was just cooks. And I think all of us coming up from that in that era, we learned to appreciate each other and we learned to learn from each other. And we 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 learned respect for each other. We learned it. You know, we all grind and hustled together and you know we all realized we wanted to do something great one day and and we knew it just take time and you know you can't do it by yourself mm. and you always have to you know find people that are like-minded and I, I was and, you know it's just amazing how many like-minded people so I think we all came up in that era and I think now that we're the guys in charge we still have that mentality of yes okay I own this and I own that and I'm doing this but you know, I'm also I'm going to support my friend, and I'm going to make sure he's on the same place that I am, and he's going well. And I'm going to send people that way to this guy because, you know, I hope he I want him to make sure he's doing well and he's being successful also. And that that was a big thing for me being here in the Kansas City community. I think that that was that's one of the reasons I stayed. The food community is so strong. Yeah, and we like there we always have each other back, and we always try to take care of each other. And so good. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so. Um, so you guys network together. I hear guys. Who are who are some of the top new chefs coming up, mm. male or female, that you're watching? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I like what Rachel's doing at Carbone. Mm. Yeah. I met, uh, she's she's one of Carlos's. Yeah, I, I like what she's doing. Um, a girl that works for me, she works at Kansas City. She used to work for me. She works at Kansas City Country Club named Crowd Camera. She's amazing. Um, who else? Like most of the, I, like, I guess I'm trying to figure out age because I, I hang with so many people. Um, Adam, the chef de cuisine, the, the Rieger, amazing dude. Hmm. Adam, what's Yoder, Adam's last Yoder. name? Yoder. He's, he's okay. amazing. He's amazing too. Um, trying to think. Oh, sex, sex. Oh, two, um, that's three. I need to get 
two more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't put a number on it exactly. I just was wondering who you thought, you know, are people to watch because you guys are of a certain age and you're established. And I was wondering, you know, well, who, I, who are you watching those, that you think those, is next those are generation? I'm, those are three I'm watching. Uh, um, see what they do next would be amazing. Uh, Dina from um, um, Corvino, she's mm. amazing. I don't know how I love her. She's mm-hmm. amazingly talented. Um, who else? She's the sous chef at, at She's Corvino. the chef de, chef de cuisine. Yeah, she's yeah. Chef, de cuisine. Or chef de cuisine. But Dina. Tina Butterfield. Yeah. Um, it's funny that it's like three of them are women. I love that. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I, love I think that. that's the other thing. You know, I like, love that. Yeah, I, lo- I always love right. having women in the kitchen. I tell people all the time, <laughs> like having women in the kitchen is the best thing ever. Because it, like I hate to say it, it's most dudes are dirty, and women always keep things clean and they're very organized. <laughs> so we mean actually in the kitchen. We don't mean like dirty jokes or anything. No, we're no. talking. We're talking about they're just. They're clean. just more clean. They're clean cleaner, like clean as they like, go. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've always had women in the kitchen. This is the first time in my career I haven't had a woman. I don't have women in the kitchen, which is so weird for me. Like I've always had women in the kitchen. Is this a passing thing, or it's? I, I, it's, I guess it's I, just the way it, the cards fell. Just the way the cards fell. Yeah. But like I've always had at least one or two. One time I had three women in the kitchen with me, <laughs> and like the guys and they. That's they, like your sisters and your mom, right? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they all. It's just. It's. It was. It was. This is always. I always try to get. You know, I. I would look for the good in people, and I always try to find like different things, and you know, and people that I see that other people don't see, mm-hmm. and then I. I just try to help them get grow at that, and try to make them better at that. What's your mom's favorite dish that you do? Mm-hmm. My mom's favorite dish I do. Yes. <laughs> what does she want you to make when she, she comes? She's to been visit? up to eat. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do I, she like that I made? I think she liked my greens a lot. Mm. She's uh, she liked my greens a lot. She liked the she liked the ribs. She liked that. Um, she liked my chicken. She liked that. And I'm trying to think what else she did. Did she give you any any grief? Did she say <laughs> how come you didn't do she, it this uh, way? Uh, my recipes this no, way. No, no, she didn't give. She just told me what I should be doing <laughs> in life or in and, the kitchen. And, and, in the kitchen, <laughs> and, and then I kind of just sat back and looked at her like, okay. <laughs> you know. What's the dish that's the biggest shout out to your childhood? Maybe grandma's recipes or aunts or. Um. The biggest dish to the shout out to childhood would probably be the probably the greens because I didn't know people in Kansas City would lose their mind for greens when we <laughs> did them because that was like one of the things I was like I'm just gonna throw them on because like most places in the South have them on there and people like were crazy over it and um, <laughs> that and then the uh, the buttermilk pie people mm-hmm. really because when people had them they're like oh they like buttermilk I'm like okay then people have it and it's like okay I want a whole pie now you like. <laughs> Okay, I don't have that. I don't have a whole pie to give you. I'm trying to sell right. You, you got to. That's a specialty order, and, you know. So that those are two things that I think, and the squash casserole. Those are good. Too. Those are very southern, and I think yeah. that speaks to our kind of weird southern, not southern Midwestern yeah. roots. Kansas City's the south. Yeah. yeah. Do you say it's the south? Kansas City's southern. Now, like I tell people all the time, like I, I lately crack up with me. I'm like, I'm like, it's more. I see more things in southern here. Than I ever did in like you, in, I, we're, we're southern. 
We 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 are, aren't we? And yeah. we're going to talk about it. But I came from the West, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to figure out because I was thinking everything was Midwest. Mm-hmm. And the longer I live here, I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of Southern, isn't right. it? Mm-hmm. That's where that mindset is coming mm-hmm. from. There's a lot of people in our newsroom that grew up in the South and work here now, and you could have a whole conversation about where to get a biscuit because they feel like there is or is not a good selection. Here. Yeah. What would you say? Do you guys have biscuits for brunch? Yeah, we do biscuits and uh, country gravy for brunch. Um, it's good. It's good. Got a little heat to it. Got some country ham, some sausage, some mandui. Yeah, I've had this. It's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Where do you go for a biscuit if it's not yours? Um, it's a place I do want to try. It's these guys called District District. District Biscuit House. Yeah, yeah. I yes. heard I heard about the I see the pictures. I follow. Like yep. I look at I see the pictures. Where I'm, is this? I missed it. it there's been a pop up. There's been pop ups. And like oh. I'm always at work for pop for the pop up. Oh, the Hold pop on. up, yes. They're on my yeah. Instagram. <laughs> you guys keep talking. I'll find it. They're always at work, but I see like I see um you know Jerry Fisher. Yes. And he's always going he goes there and he shows pictures. I'm like I want to go there and get that. <laughs> yeah. But I, as I'm standing in my own kitchen and I'm like, what what's going on? But yeah. yeah, but those guys, they, they do, from what I hear, they do a phenomenal job. Maybe uh, maybe they should just open up and be a biscuit house, nothing else. If Wouldn't that be great? If single, if, for a single-subject restaurant, I think, uh, I think there's a good thing. potential there. If yes. you're on the gram, it's district with a K. Yeah. District uh, Biscuit House. Yeah. But no, yeah. I, I've seen the pictures of these guys doing it. I'm like, I want to go. But I'm like... This is the only thing about having a restaurant that's open for breakfast and lunch. Mm-hmm. Brunch. You don't get to go see these guys like that. <laughs> Perhaps they should stop by and bring you some. Uh, hopefully. There hopefully, you go. Hopefully Have a day. pop-up at your place. There you I, go. That would be cool. Ooh. That would be cool. I'm thinking here. I know. You're, you're brainstorming for me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, but, yeah, that, that, but yeah, Kansas City has a lot of Southern roots in what they do and like I think a lot of it you know do have come from the sellers that came from the south and moved up to the midwest a lot of them brought those same traditions and then what happened was over time we started using the midwest started using their ingredients but kept in the same traditions with the ingredients that they grew here that wasn't available to them because they had the ingredients they had in the south when they were doing it at first Hmm. and that's probably where the whole elements of that is so we have Kansas City has a little bit of southern midwest you know, and then you have a lot of um, people, like you said, they just, they just stay here, like like myself, and <laughs> you know, and just you know, you know, we bring things that we grew up with and our elements into it too. Benefits of us being smack dab in the middle. <laughs> That's true, but right. we're no longer flyover because of chefs. No, because of chefs like John and others who have stuck around and <laughs> decided to make this a poppin' food scene. <laughs> we are very grateful. <laughs> we are. Chef John Cedric Smith, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. I've listened to your podcast before and I enjoyed it. So, thank you. Thank you. We're having a good time with it, aren't we, Lindsay? Tell your friends. Subscribe, please. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll come to come out to you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> He's our buddy. Let's yeah. keep him. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>